Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Jahan teaches on being undercover. I am really excited to try and briefly um, unpack just a little bit of of where we lived this weekend. And then I I need to kind of take you on a little bit of a journey to get you to where um, I feel like we need to go today. So for those of you in the room that got it the first time, and this is review, sorry, not sorry. If I only shared um, the, the tidbit I have today, we'd be done in about five minutes. So I got, I got to take you on a little bit of a journey. Are you with me? Are you in on the journey with me? Don't you love this beautiful canopy hanging behind me? That I don't know who got a ladder and did all this, but thank you very, very much. Jeremy, of course it was Jeremy Bean. Of course it was Jeremy Bean. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to start in Psalm 91. We're just going to fly through it. I do literally don't have the time to unpack it like I want, but there's a couple things I want to just little nuggets and pieces I want to pull out for us today. So we're going to start um, with Psalm 91, the Passion Translation. How many of you have read Psalm 91 before? It's kind of one of those passages that um, believers tend to cling to and wrap themselves up in. If you aren't familiar with this passage, it's an incredible passage for the hour we're living in. It addresses some of the things that I think we're currently walking through. I think all of mankind has probably always walked through some of this stuff, which is why it is timeless and it's in this book. Amen. But um, I think it would be a great passage for you to live in. So are we ready back there? Do we have it? You're amazing. Thank you. All right. Verse one, when you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God most high. I'm going to read it from the screen and not my Bible right now. Actually, I'm not. I'm going to read it from my Bible. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. Pausing right there really quick. How many of you have heard this passage? Those who dwell in the shadow of, or he who abides in the shadow of. How many of you have heard that language? as how most of your Bibles will translate it. That word abide and dwell, yes, it speaks of making, this is going to be the presence of the Lord today. Yes, it speaks of making the presence of the Lord your place of living, like your living quarters. This is my address, okay? But better translated, that word is actually he who sits on. And that word sits on is not just, you know, where you casually sit in the floor or take rest or leisure. It's a specific type of sitting. It's actually one who sits, as the Passion Translation um, translates it, one who sits in a seat of ruling and leading, ruling and reigning, specifically a judge. So I want to say to you that as I've read this passage of scripture, I have read it from a posture of, of defensiveness. He who hides in or he who dwells in or he who lives in, like we have to make this thing our dwelling place, right? To protect me from all the bad stuff out there, right? We're going to keep reading and that's kind of where it's going to go. But we have to come in here and, and, and the posture that I always saw in reading this was one who runs in and, and is kind of hiding, does that make sense? Like pulling a cloak over their face, like you're scrunched down, like thri- uh, not thriving, but surviving, you know, fake it till you make it. Just, 
I'm hiding from all that that's going on out there. But the posture actually is one who sits enthroned. One who lives in this place, understanding who they are, whose they are, and that they have a place of ruling and reigning with him. Ephesians says that we are seated with him in heavenly places, right? And so we're actually invited not to just come and hunker down and hide from everything going out there. We're invited to come and sit enthroned and to affect what's going on out here. It says that he's the stronghold and he is the hope. He's Hope is holding me in this place. I like to see, I like to think that I'm sitting enthroned on hope. That's pretty powerful, right? I'm sitting enthroned on hope. And it says that it's a stronghold around me. A stronghold, as you know, is um, pattern of fortified thoughts. And I I like to think that this stronghold is fortified thoughts of what he thinks about me. And I I can safely live in there. It's actually literally in this passage translated as a castle. And so I'm safe inside this structure that's built for me. I'm enthroned on hope. I'm in a place of authority to speak as he speaks, but I'm also safe inside these thoughts that God thinks about me. And according to Psalm 139, there's a book written about me and every thought in that book is about me and just for me, not even you, for me, there are more thoughts than there are grains of sand on the seashore. And in my hand, I could hold about 10,000 grains. That's how many thoughts he thinks about me. And according to Jeremiah, his thoughts for me are good and his plans for me are good. And so this fortified castle I'm living in is surrounded by walls that declare life over me and hope over me and the prosperity over me and goodness and faithfulness and favor and mercy. I like this castle, right? This is a really great place to live. Let's keep reading. Verse three, he will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy and he will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. So he'll expose things the enemy's laid out for me. And I I said this to the ladies this weekend. Sometimes he'll expose it before it ever gets to you. Sometimes he'll expose it in the middle of it. And he'll show you a way out. And it'll still be redeemed. It'll still work for your good. I've been in some things before where I'm like, this thing wasn't ever supposed to come near me. Why is this happening? Because it was allowed to get to me for whatever reason, and I'm learning from it. It's making me stronger. It's giving me strategy. It's showing me a part of the Father I haven't seen before. Or it will expose it um, almost sometimes for me as the thing is wrapping up. You know, like right when it looked like it was going to prosper, right? And then God just comes in and goes, nope. So he'll rescue us from every hidden trap and every false accusation. Sometimes the false accusation comes from out there. Sometimes it comes from in here. Either way, 
He'll rescue us from it. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by night or by day, demonic danger will not trouble you. Come on, this is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. This isn't a pep talk. This is the word of the Lord. This is what we cling to, what we run into, what we wrap ourselves around in when stuff is crazy out there. And really when stuff, I, I think stuff's probably always crazy out there. You know, it looks a little crazier right now than it's ever looked in my lifetime, but we won't go there. Don't fear a thing, whether by night or by day, demonic danger will not trouble you. Do you believe that? Yes. Nor will the powers of evil launched against you, even in a time of disaster, with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. And again, I'll say, if you look and feel like you're being scathed and harmed and you're losing, you're just not seeing it right. Because we don't lose as believers. We never lose. If I close my eyes and sleep because I got tired one night and moved to heaven, or if I close my eyes because disease tried to take over or whatever, I never lose. Death, where is your sting? I just move locations and I actually get a promotion. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of my beautiful canopy, within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. Oh my goodness, it just keeps saying it over and over and over. It just says it a new way, but it's the same thing. You're safe in there. You're safe in there. Safe means to be protected. You're safe in there. You're secure in there. Secure means you're fixed or you're held fast to something. You're safe and secure here. Verse 12, if you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and, it, and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you have delighted in me as my great lover, I will greatly protect you. I will set you in a high place, safe and secure. Say safe and secure. Before my face. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray. It's impossible for you to pray and God not answer. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. And you will find and feel my presence, even in your time of pressure and trouble. I will be your glorious hero and give you a feast. You will be satisfied with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the, enjoy the fullness of my salvation. That word salvation, not translated in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament is the word sozo. The Greek word is sozo. And its entirety is not just rescuing you from a ticket from hell. 
It's your mind and your soul, it's your body and it's your spirit. The full deliverance here is God doesn't just want to come and make things a little more comfortable for you, for you to buckle down and get to the other side. God doesn't just want you to get saved and have introductory to Jesus and then not encounter him again until you see him at the pearly gates. There's this invitation to walk fully delivered from every trap, from every snare, from every assignment, to walk in the fullness of God's intention for you. The book, Psalm 139, the pages that are full and full and full and full of purposes for me, he wants me to live that out. And he made provision for that. But it does not come outside of making this my home. Yes, where I retreat to after a long day. Yes, where I sit on hope enthroned. Yes, this is where I live. I never leave this place. I never let the enemy convince me that I'm not good enough to live here, stay here, make my place here. This is my home address. And if I'm evicting, I, I died in there. Because you're not going to convince me to come out here and torment me in the realm of unsafe and unsecure. But we get to decide if we're going to make our house there. We get to decide. And so many times we allow the enemy to convince us to come outside of a fortress made of thoughts that are for my good. And I start to entertain thoughts that aren't good. Ever, has anyone ever in the room bought the lie that if I think this through, it'll make me feel better? If I follow this, if I just, fully, if I just discover it a little bit more, maybe I can unpack it more. Maybe it'll help me to dismantle it. Or if I follow this, it'll satisfy me enough to, so that I can walk away from it in a minute. Does that make sense? Are you following me? Shut that thing down immediately. Let's be disciplined in our mind. Not because you feel like it, not because it's what is been trained or taught or safe, but because this is illegal activity up here. For me to think a thought he does not think about me is illegal, and I need to learn to shut it down and lock it up in a prison. Amen. All right, we're gonna um, we're gonna move to First Corinthians chapter two. This, I did this all weekend, just laugh. We're going to go to verse three first, and then, or chapter three, and then we're going to go to chapter two. And I just, I think so systematically, I, I know I need to go to three first, but I want to go to two first. So we talked about making this our home. We talked about living here. Take that thought, hold it, whoo, put it in your pocket. We're going to come back to it, Okay. 1 Corinthians 3 addresses, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, and he's addressing the maturity of the saints, okay? I don't know if you know this or not, but it is entirely possible for you to be saved and live in immaturity your whole life. To never, to never grow, maybe just kind of inch it along. It's actually entirely possible because it's, it's possible in, in the natural realm. Anybody have a coworker that still likes 12? Don't say their name. <laughs> you know, they're like in a grown man's body and you're talking to them and there's a beard on their face and there's gray hair, but they're acting 12, you know? You're like, did you grow, did you ever grow up? 
Maybe not. All right, let's look at chapter 3, 1 Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, when it was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk. That word milk is logikos, which is a form of the word logos, which is where we get the word for the word, like the word of the Lord, okay? And so milk isn't bad, right? We all have to have milk. Milk's easy to swallow. It's mindless, right? I don't have to break it down. I don't have to chew it. I don't need teeth for it. But it's necessary, and it's foundational, and I can't feed a six-month-old steak. They would die. They got to have milk, right? So milk isn't bad. It's just not intended for you to live on for the rest of your life. And so Paul's saying, I, all I could give you was foundational, basic information, okay? And I wanted you, I long for you to mature. Let's go to chapter 2. My brothers and sisters, this is verse 1, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets, say secrets, secrets, of God, I refused to come as an expert trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic, Jesus, the crucified Messiah. I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with reverence for God and trembling under the sense of the importance of my own words. The message I preached and how I preached it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. Verse 6, however, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. That word in Greek is actually better translated. Um, those who have been initiated into mystery. Okay, so I'm going to reread it with that kind of plugged in. However, there is a wisdom that we can speak of when we are among those who have been initiated into mystery. Okay, so let's rewind back to verse chapter three, where he says, I, I wanted to talk to you as though you were mature, but I found it impossible because you're still dominated by the thoughts you used to think. You're dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And so I have to keep giving you milk. But when I am around the spiritually mature, we get off milk and we actually get to talk about the realm of mystery. So yes, undercover in the tent. Yes, hidden, sitting enthroned. But yes, undercover, stealthy agents. Invited into the realm of mystery, secretly armed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, armed with battle, armed with strategy, armed with wisdom that was not, according to Corinthians, of this present age before or in the future. It's wisdom that only comes from God. And there's this invitation to dive into 
the realm of the mysterious. Stuff I can't wrap my brain around. And we're all invited to it, but we have to get out of what we've rehearsed up here. What we've been taught to think up here. What we've been trained is normal. Sometimes I think we call it, we're being introspective. Anybody ever heard that? Listen, I, I live with someone whose tendency is to get introspective. It's never fruitful. Never. I've never, not one time, seen it produce any fruit that tasted good anyway. I'm like, stop it. Just stop it. Stop it. He will get introspective. I will get extrospective, whatever that word is. He will blame himself. I will blame everyone but me. (laughs) (laughs) Arguments don't go well at our house. They really don't. Because a lot of the time it is me. And he's so, you know, he's so logical that he's like, I know this isn't me this time. But she's not going to hear that it's her. And so I guess I'll get introspective again. Maybe it's me. And so we waste a whole lot of time when I could just own my part, you know. But I just, I really struggle with that. I'm trying to get better, but it's still not my natural response. I still want to find every reason why all of this is your fault. But never mind, okay? <laughs> so we, we learn to think that way, and we make our house here. We live a life, so as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We live a life dominated by this. The invitation is to come into safety and security here. What happens when you live a life dominated by here is you make a mistake and you are ashamed of that mistake. And if you partner with that lie long enough, the thing you were ashamed about doing, now you become ashamed of who you are instead of what you did. And so instead of being safe, I'm ashamed. And instead of being secure, fixed on the thoughts in the castle walls that are for my good and for my hope, instead of being secure, held up by hope, surrounded by what he says and declares over me, I become insecure. And what happens is, I think two, two things happen. This is where I, I made it here. Thank you, Father, we made it here. This is where I needed to get us to. Woo, maybe in 10 minutes I'll be done. This is a miracle, people, this is a miracle. Okay, two things happen. I think we respond to this invitation to live here. We get armored up, we get suited up, we say yes to the realm of mystery. God invites us to tap into these crazy, awesome, free gifts, spirit gifts, weapons, and we're all suited up and we're ready, right? I want to draw a small parallel for the women in the room who can't relate to swords and guns and bows and arrows, okay? I also saw it as some young women who get all dolled up and ready to go to the prom. 
praise the Lord. And it's like, I'm all dressed up and I'm ready. And then it's time to go. And I can't go. I can't go. And I have like this panic attack and I, I can't go. But you're all dressed up and you're ready and we bought the dress and we fixed your hair and we put makeup on you. I can't go. I cannot go. But come on. And no amount of convincing will cause me to go, okay, because I'm out of my mind. You know, I'm losing it, right? And we do that as believers. We're all suited up. We're prepared. We've been in the safe in the house of God and God's taught us some things and trained some things and we've gotten comfortable giving a prophetic word to the person to our right and we've gotten comfortable laying hands on the sick and practicing it. But when we go out there, we freeze. The whole reason we sit enthroned here is so that we'll understand who he is, who he is in me, and I will transition knowing that I can take what was formerly external now lives inside of me, and I take him everywhere I go, right? Scripture says we are the temple. It also says, this blew me away, it was 1 Corinthians 3, I think 16, where he says, you are God's temple, and when you self-desecrate you, you're desecrating God's temple. And I always read that like if you eat too much. I'm just being honest. I was raised in religion. Got to take care of your temple, you know. But what about, like, self-hate? And what about walking around with shame all the time? What about all the stuff we think up here that is destructive to who we are? And so one of two things happens. Either we're all dolled up and we're ready to go and we completely freak out and shrink back. Or some of us actually go. Some of us show up to the prom. We walk in, we trip on our shoe, our heel breaks, face plant to the floor. It's not a good moment. Or we're all geared up and we go out, we're like, let's go devil, and I shoot a hole in the wall and everyone sees me completely flub all over my gift. And so you retreat. And what happens is you go back into here and instead of running into safety and security, you run into shame and insecurity. And so I want to ask you, why when the invitation is to hide and to sit in throne, are we still hiding? When we're hidden in the strength of God, it's so that we will unhide for them. Because when we house the very presence of God, the very nature of God who's telling us who we are, we should be the most comfortable people in our own skin of anyone on the face of the planet. We shouldn't walk into a room and want to shrink back. But we do. So why do we hide? Why do we hide? Just ask yourself that question for five seconds. Why do I hide? Why do I hide when I get in an argument with my spouse? Why do I hide? Why do I hide when I mess up at work and I try to fix it so that no one in authority has to come and check me on it? Why do I hide? 
Because you are afraid. Because you are afraid. First John four sixteen. No, eighteen. First John four eighteen. Love never brings fear. For fear is always related to punishment, but love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. You hide because love is not perfected in you. You hide in an argument with your spouse because love is not perfected in you. You walk into a room and retreat. You become insecure. You become ashamed. Instead of this being something you did, this becomes who I am. You hide because love is not perfected in you. I hide because love is not perfected in me. If we knew, if we really knew, I am your beloved, you have bought me with your blood, and on your hand you've written out my name, I am your beloved, I'm the one the Father loves, your mercy has defeated all my shame. Come out of hiding. Isn't it time you come out of hiding? Isn't it time that you be fully you? Some of you are 50 years old in the room, 55, and you still feel like, I likened it on the the weekend, you still feel like the second grader who goes to the playground and is worried if anyone's going to play with you. I don't care how mature this thing gets, how old this thing gets. If your soul and your spirit don't have an encounter with the love of God, you'll never walk out the fullness of all you were intended to. Sure, you'll hold down a job. You'll pay your bills. You might get married and you might have kids. You might fumble through it. But you'll never know what it feels like to be fully alive. Don't you think it's time to come out of hiding? And if you misfire the gun, if you misuse the gift, if you try to dive into the deep and you go to give a word or go to lay hands on the person in Walmart or go encourage the stranger you see in the bank and you you mess it up, it's not who you are. You're just learning to work this thing, right? Keep shooting the gun. You'll, get, you'll, hit, you'll hit the target eventually. But you'll never learn to hit the target if you keep the gun in your sling holster. What is that? Holster. I had to go to prom because I, I had to go to the prom thing because I don't know anything about guns. I would love for someone to take me shooting. I do think that would be kind of fun. Just want to throw it out there. Obviously a very deserted place. <laughs> 
I don't know. I just have this small desire somewhere to just shoot something. I don't know what that is. I think it's probably part of my redeemed nature, but I, anyways, you'll never learn if you don't try. You'll never find the joy of like your quirky sense of humor making the other quirky person in your group laugh if you don't say it out loud. Like being you. Come out of hiding. Chady, will you come up here please and get ready? Chady is going to be fully Chady and bring what Chady brings to every atmosphere she steps into. If I gave her the mic, she would tell you that she wasn't always this fully shady. But man, I am celebrating her becoming more and more shady Marie McDuffie. Yeah. She makes everything better, including her husband, right? And he's thriving and he's amazing. We've wasted enough years. You have wasted enough time hiding. I want her to dance today, and I, I want you to watch it. I don't want you to come up here till it's done. But as soon as she's done, if you'll just be ready to, to be up there. I, I don't remember really the last time, well, this weekend, <laughs> every time, that we had a specific altar call, but I, I feel very strongly today that you need to come out of hiding. And I love you, but it probably won't happen at your seat. You probably need to get up and make a physical move to come out of hiding. And no one here is going to assume what you've been hiding in or from. And if they are, God will beat them up for you later. Don't let any accusation up here keep you from coming. Don't let any accusation that you perceive that the slander has presented to you keep you from coming. Come out of hiding. Shame doesn't look good on you. The only thing that happens when you come out of hiding, you're not punished. It's an invitation to freedom. But the enemy wants you to think if you come out of hiding, then there's punishment waiting on you. There's no punishment waiting for you. There's only freedom. There's only love. I believe there will be grown men and women coming out of hiding today. I believe there'll be 12, 13, 15, 17, 18-year-old young people coming out of hiding. I'm tired of walking into a room and feeling like I don't, I don't know who I am. And I, and I feel like I'm, you know, the odd man out. And I feel weird and awkward. And I just want to go back home. We need you. They need who you are and what you carry. They need you to be full of you. There's not one on the planet like you before, present, or later. You've got this window of time to impact history in your sphere. Why are you hiding? Come out of hiding. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.